Hi, and welcome to the 40 and Infertile podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, at 40 and Infertile on Instagram. I'm a fellow IVF patient, and this is where I share with you my fertility journey in my late 30s and 40s, while also providing you information to minimize your fertility struggles later in life. Hey everyone, it's episode 30, and today's episode is with John Summers, Infertility Man on Instagram, and I first heard about him um, on another one of those uh, big infertility accounts, and it was a very simple message. It was a picture of him, and he was holding a letter board, and it said something like, um, infertility is not strictly female, and I remember sitting there and thinking like, oh, um, I haven't really done much to talk about male factor. (laughs) And I remember thinking, oh, like, that's so true. Like, I haven't done anything to kind of speak to male factor infertility. And I don't think that that helps people with male factor infertility because, I mean, all of this stuff I think we need to bring more attention to and certainly more, more heavily focused on female, one, because I'm female, so I'm like super focused on my own infertility and the struggle with that. So some of that is selfish, but, um, you know, it is 50% uh, male, 50% female. So, you know, why aren't we talking about it a little more? So I thought, you know, he has a really good point. And I want to kind of open my mind to that and kind of explore those options and talk about these things. So it it really, you know, got me thinking. So, you know, it worked, John. <laughs> so, you know, he's really been a voice for those who are going through male factor infertility. And um, I think that that is a really important and can be a difficult thing to do because, you know, we don't talk about it very much and there's so many things to kind of discuss, emotions, feelings, And um, so I thought, you know, I want to see if he would come on the show. (laughs) So I reached out to him and very graciously and kindly, he said, yes, I would love to be on the show. Unfortunately, Laura couldn't join us. Um, She, uh, there were childcare things going on. And and so unfortunately, she wasn't able to join us on the show. And she plays such a big part in all of this, because as you'll hear from the episode, um, you know, he had in intention in life and he had a story he told himself and he was going to go with that and you know um laura kind of changed it all for him um you know so she has a big part of the story and hopefully you know in the future we can have her on to kind of talk about her experience with all of this um but you know he was so kind responded so quickly and um you know even though we are like a gazillion time zones apart <laughs> he's in australia and i'm here in the u.s we were able to make it work out and i'm so so grateful uh, for having him here um on the show and if you, if you think today's episode is just for males in your life, you're wrong. Um, although that was the intention, <laughs> I did start out thinking like, oh, okay, well, this is a male factor show. We're going to talk about all things male and um, kind of, you know, all the emotions and tools you can use as a male. And we do cover that, but this evolved into something so much more. We talk about adversity. We talk about relationships. We talk about the struggle of a cancer diagnosis. We talk about the struggle struggle of infertility and how to talk about it. Um, I mean, I think it's a really great episode for everyone to 
listen to. Um, you know, certainly the um, men in your life will benefit from this, but um, I think I think everyone could benefit from listening to this if you listen to this as a couple, if you listen to this if you're female. I mean, we talk about mindset, all this stuff, and it, I think it is just um, such a great episode that kind of encompasses all things um, infertility and kind of life, <laughs> you know, and he, you realize it's not so simple that, you know, infertility. And I mean, you know, we kind of have all figured that out going through infertility ourselves, but you know, I, I would suggest that you listen to this, even if you're not male, um, just to kind of hear, um, his perspective and hear some of his recommendations, I think are really great. Cause he really goes into how to help your relationship survive, infertility because it's rough on all you know and to say that you'll come out of this unscathed is difficult statement to make because you go through a lot um, going through this and it certainly tests um, your resolve (laughs) on so many different levels but um, as always if you found benefit or value in this episode I would love a five-star review written review to kind of help this get into more ears if you have suggestions for future episodes I'm open to that as well you know how to reach out to me on Instagram 40 and infertile and I just really want to thank you all for being here and listening I want to thank um, John for being on here and um, sharing his story and you know some of the most difficult parts of his story and I'm very very grateful for that um, and for using your voice to help others who are struggling with infertility male or female um, so I mean you know it's it's been so helpful to hear your thoughts and um, feelings on your own experience. Um, you know, even when you're on the other side of the globe, <laughs> you're helping people everywhere. So thank you for that. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Just a quick reminder, I am not a physician and the information provided today is for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. So make sure that you consult with your own fertility doctor before choosing any medical therapies that may affect your fertility. Unfortunately, every person's situation is unique and it is vital that you discuss your own personal situation with your fertility doctor to decide what is the best course of action for you. Hi there, everybody. We're back today, and today we have um, John Summers with us, and we're talking about male factor infertility. Thank you so much for being here, John. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure, Victoria. We got there in the end. Yes. <laughs> I know. Technology always kind of like wants to rear its ugly head every now and again. So sometimes, yeah. So sometimes it kind of peaks its head. But thanks so much there, for being here. A few I, thousand miles between us. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. A few different time zones and that sort of thing. But hey, we're here. We made it. Yeah, we, we, exactly. we were able to make it happen. Um, but so I first found out about you because I saw this repost on another infertility page and it was this photo of you with you know the board that everybody has and it was this it was a very simple statement it just said like infertility is not female like not only female not strictly female and it it I really kind of stopped to think about it because I thought oh my gosh we it's so true that we're so focused on 
the female issues because a lot of it, you know, is female where because mm-hmm. we're the egg and, you know, you have to put the embryo back in us. So it's so female yeah. focused. Yeah. And I agree that we don't spend enough time talking about the male factor portion of it. And so I really want to thank you for using your voice to help other males who are experiencing this feel heard and seen. Yeah. So, I mean, like, thank you for for that. And like, I'm so glad we we're able to connect for you to be here. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I think the whole reason was because um, as a man, we do not talk like you girls. Oh, my God. You girls talk about everything. And uh, and you talk a lot. And there's there's so many different platforms of support. And and the whole reason we're actually – we entered the infertility realm is, is because of my cancer back in 2011. I wouldn't say because of anyway. It, it just it, it assisted our our introduction yes. to infertility anyway. Um, and I guess around that time when Laura and I were were looking into our options, uh-huh. there wasn't there, there's there's really not that much for men. And and I think I think there's not many people out there showing that you can actually be vulnerable. You can actually show your emotions. You can actually just put yourself out there and it's actually a sign of strength not 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 weakness which would sort of i think it's a bit of an old story that comes along with men and um um if we're able to put that ego aside and 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 just Mm -hmm. and i think that's that sort of led us to the sharing side of things we thought it took us a little it's not an easy decision to put your life out there and then and and just say oh well we'll we'll give this a crack because yeah. we kind of felt there wasn't many guys talking about infertility, though yeah. 50% of the issue is male. But yes. the other issue is we reached the male conclusion so far down the track and we've potentially wasted years of mm-hmm. some women's fertility. We, we've even spoken to some women. They've done 10-plus rounds and then they've gone, oh, hang on. The man's sperm is not the greatest quality. So mm-hmm. how, how does that even happen when really mm-hmm. you're entering into this partnership to – and be it single, be it, there still needs to be two parts to this <laughs> this equation. And, um, and uh, we need to be looking at both sides to produce this, this little bundle. So I really appreciate you chatting about it, Victoria. And and I'm I'm 45 now. So so five years ago, six years ago, I'm, I'd made up this little story that I wasn't having kids. That was the easiest way for me to deal with my cancer, my medical um, history, and my future. I was just going to take everyone else's kids, and I'll give them back at the end of the day. That was fine. That made th- that made me happy, and it gave me the chance to move forward without without regret. But bloody Laura. <laughs> Changed oh, everything. Oh, <laughs> changed everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's kind of start back at the beginning. Let's yeah. start with that cancer diagnosis. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's a lot to take on, period, it just is. by itself, it right? Is. So it what is. happened? How did you find out? So it was about I was I was about thirty four uh, I believe it was two thousand and eleven so yeah it'd be about thirty four mm-hmm. thirty five and um, look I was having a great time mm-hmm. life was great going traveling mm-hmm. I remember going to Fiji and um, 
I, I'm pretty sure all the guys will know what I mean. It felt like I'd been kicked in the <laughs> kicked in the in the nuts, basically. And yeah. uh, just and yeah. just and and that feeling, whenever it happens to a man, it feels like your testicles end up in the bottom part of your ribs and you just can't (laughs) you literally can't shake that feeling so anyway if i if i painted that picture that's what it felt like (laughs) i was in fiji and i had this ache this pain this 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 i can't even describe the feeling it was a horrible feeling it sort of even made me nauseous with the pain but i couldn't shake it I stretched. I went swimming. I bloody used ice i I took took panadol took painkillers and and I basically decided that when I get home from Fiji, I'm going to go and see the doctor. Typical man, I'm going to go, nah, she'll be right. I'll shake this off. Two months, two months I took, I put up with this before I finally said, right, this is too much. And and this has basically got me to the point painkillers weren't working and and I was having terrible sleep. It was affecting my work. It was effect, it was affecting everything. And um, I got to see this doctor. Oh, he goes, "Good day, John. You don't come in here often." I went, "No." And I said, "Look, this is this is what's going on." He goes, "Oh, well, let's have a look." Anyway, had a bit of a feel, really tender, really tender. And uh, he just goes, "Look, I think it's epididymitis, which is just inflammation of the tubes inside the testes." He goes here. Here's an ultrasound. Go down and get that, get it looked at, and uh, I'll see you again. So I happened to have the afternoon off. I went down. I I'd actually picked up patients from that off from the radiology clinic, mm-hmm. the ambulance. Yeah. So yeah, the guy, yeah. The guy walked out and saw me sitting there in my in my civvies, and he goes, "What are you doing here, John?" And I just said, "Oh, I'm here." But he goes, he looks, and he goes, "Oh, interesting." He goes come straight in so we start doing the ultrasound we're chatting we're shooting shooting the shit and we're just talking about everything he goes mm-hmm. so john would you want to hear about this now or do you want to wait for your doctor i can send the doctor i said he goes oh well just show me what's going on. anyway he turned the screen he showed me the screen and he says john this is your normal testy this mm-hmm. one here is from what i see it looks like some sort of growth. Mm-hmm. And um, he goes, it would be my advice. And he says, I'm not meant to give advice. I'm, I'm not here to give advice. Mm-hmm. He says, I'll probably go back and see your doctor ASAP type thing. So mm-hmm. ended up booking in and seeing the doctor. Now, this whole time was such a whirlwind. I basically went to see the doctor. The doctor saw me the next day and he goes, huh, isn't that interesting? I think you need to see one of my friends. <laughs> Books me into a urologist. I go and see the urologist. The urologist goes, hey, let me have a look. Oh, isn't that interesting? Let's get some bloods and scans. And basically from the Tuesday to the next Monday, the Monday I was on I was on the operating table. Mm. I literally, I don't know. Maybe it was luck. I don't know. It just, I had zero time to really comprehend I, be, I felt like I'd been kicked down the road, but I'm like, oh, geez. And then me being me, I just like, right, I need to get this done. Oh, let's get this out. Oh, let's get it. I had ideas that I was going to go to the gym two days after the surgery. Definitely not the case. Right. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not the case. Yeah. But yeah, I tell you what, they got it out and. Yeah, wow. It was it, it was a real world. That month, that that six months, that year was just 
it really turned me on my head. Though in looking back, the um, the changes that I made from that from that um, that diagnosis to my health, to my lifestyle, to my mindset, I really started to dig in. I, uh, just some massive change, and I think I can actually attribute it to uh, around that time. I just I just went right. Well, this is not good enough. I haven't been treating myself very well. I've, I've got to start looking at ways how ways and means how my body or how I can treat my body better. Yeah. So did you like talk to anybody about it in your family, friends, anything? Did anybody know? Um, It happened so quickly. So pretty much at that time, I called, I called mum, obviously told, told mum, dad and, uh, and, and my sister and, and um, my close family. But it was, it was one of those things. It all happened so quickly um it, it became one of those things I didn't really attach to the story. Yes, we ended up in infertility because of the the cancer thing, but the, the cancer I, I guess like our infertility, we decided or I decided not to spend my time there. I'm like, right, how can I use this to springboard me in the opposite direction? Um, and for me, that allowed me to just, Create a better story. Ask better questions. Um, I, I did. I never really delved into. It whilst I did start with, oh, why is this happening to me? I'm like, all right, how can I use this to, to, to move forward? So, speaking to family was a big one. That was a big one for support. A couple of close friends knew, um, but even now, some people, some good friends, like they, they go, what you had cancer? Like, well, and again, that comes back to, we just don't talk. It's like pulling blood from a stone sometimes, trying to get a guy to actually actually dig in and go, all right, what are you actually feeling? What's 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 actually going on? And maybe, maybe yeah, maybe I could have been more emotional, or maybe, but I kind of feel that that I used that um, uh, effectively. Um, it helped me uh, move forward, um, take the next step, try something new, um, and I guess. Uh, if you have a look at John Demartini um, in the gratitude effect, I still remember like, a few years later after I'd been actually given the all clear in 2016, 2017, I was listening to John Demartini, the gratitude effect. And I remember driving and I swear I felt like I was going to crash the car because I was like, oh, this is amazing. And what he said was, people are giving given these health challenges. And, and, I, and his wording is very specific. People are given these health challenges for what it will make of them and because there's an area of their life that they're not paying attention to. And for me around that time, I'd sort of been a bit free and willing. I wasn't looking at diet, going out, like working heaps. Just You know what I mean? So I found that a very interesting just segue um, just something that I learned. And, uh, yeah, that was huge. I remember driving and I'm like, whoa, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And did, yeah. Did they talk to you about your fertility at all? Was that no. a conversation that came up no. during? No, it didn't. It didn't. I think, 
I think, and this is a this is again potentially something that's assumed a lot about men. Like you see, I, I, I consider myself relatively fit and healthy. I'm six five. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost two meters. I'm a I'm hundred something kilo. Like I'm, I'm fit and healthy. I don't feel like, I, and um, you wouldn't realize that a lot of my hormones have been just up the shit for the for basically most of my life, um, and that yeah. could potentially have been from. As a as a bub, I think it was about eighteen months. Mum said about twelve, eighteen months, something like that. I had an undescended testy, so the they they actually operated on that to release that, but that ended up being the testicle that developed the cancer. Oh, so you can sort of maybe go back and you go, oh, wow, maybe maybe that hasn't been functioning optimally my whole life. And and mm-hmm. some other things like like my testosterone levels. Whilst I had testosterone, though, it was actually aromatizing to estrogen, which actually made it easier to lay down. But all those sort of things, and I'm like, wow! Knowing this now is amazing. I wish yeah. I knew back <laughs> back then. Yeah. 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 So so how did how did you come to know that? that fertility was going to be a struggle for you yeah. if it wasn't discussed by your doctors? Well, it was uh, because I, I guess I was assumed to be healthy and they just got in, got the cancer out. Um, and at that stage in my life, I I hadn't considered it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 34, 35 bulletproof and just, just cranking yeah. on doing what you're doing. Um, and it really wasn't until uh, I met Laura and, and we only met in 2017, but I guess when you're a little bit older, you, you know, and, and the work that I'd done, I knew what I wanted in someone and yeah. and, and she definitely yeah. knew what she wanted in someone, though I think she got a bit more than she bargained for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, things moved quicker than I think she had planned, yeah, huh? Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was about around that time when Laura asked it, just a simple question, like we were talking about kids, she's from a big family. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the, the, one of the oldest sis, sisters in the, in the, in the, um, family. So when she asked if I wanted kids, I, I definitely wanted kids though. All I said mm-hmm. was I can't have them. And she just asked, well, is that really true? And I mm-hmm. actually hadn't had confirmation. And again, we go back to that story that I told myself, I can't have kids because I've had mm-hmm. cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an easy little package to deal with. I can move forward. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that simple question actually really ruffled my feathers. I, yeah. I, I started down. I, I guess it was a little road of self-discovery. I'm going right. I'm going to. I'm going to actually find out if this is if this is true. And uh, yeah. I found doctors. We found doctors. Um, well, I started initially, and then, then obviously Laura came into the into the fray, and we sort of hired doctors and fired doctors, and we hired some more doctors and fired yeah. some more doctors, and obviously we ended <laughs> yeah. we ended up with uh, Dr. Lynn and Dr. Katz here in in Melbourne, Australia, and um, mm. they've been fabulous. They have been fabulous. Mm-hmm. But I think from that question, that's the only thing that that really sent me on that road to go right. Maybe. The doctor didn't tell me that I couldn't have kids. Maybe he said, I'm going to have to look at other ways to have children. And mm-hmm. and basically for me, I went into analysis, no sperm in my, in my analysis. And I did a couple. 
So then I go mm-hmm. to the doc and I tell him, he goes, right, all right, so you've only got one Tessie because of your cancer. Right, maybe we do a fine needle aspiration. So we're sort of skipping a couple of parts because of my situation. Um, having only one Tessie, you've got to be very wary of scar tissue. Um, yeah. End up at a fine needle aspiration. And Laura, Laura and I are there. I even asked Laura. We'd only been going out like a few months. Hey, come along, come along. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get a needle. Stuck in my my testing, um, yeah. And yeah, they found they found one immotile sperm, and mm. for someone who thought for so long that they didn't have any, mm-hmm. just even that little shine of light, that little bit of hope. Um, and even though it wasn't even moving, it was probably swimming the wrong way. I don't know what it was doing. No, but- <laughs> it, yeah. But even just that little bit of hope, it, it just it gave us a chance to, to, again, fire some doctors, fire some doctors. We found the ones that we need, and they actually mm-hmm. led us down the road to go, right, the procedure we want to do, I skipped a couple of places like, um, let's say, biopsies mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things because they leave scar tissue. And mm-hmm. we basically go to the full Monty, which is the micro tesi, which has only been around mm-hmm. five, five or so years. Um, mm-hmm. So prior to this, I wasn't having kids anyway. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, we ended up we ended up preparing for that um, that first micro tesi, which is meant to be a one off procedure, even if you have two mm-hmm. testicles. But um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Then we found out Laura, probably probably similar to yourself, Victoria. She does not respond well mm-hmm. to the medications, and, and mm. we were getting one egg, two eggs, mm. three eggs, mm-hmm. and uh, our doctor had recommended that because my procedure is going to be one off, and we found one sperm, so we still don't know. Again, we were talking about uncertainty. The only certain thing about infertility is the uncertainty. We had, we had right. no idea whether I had sperm, but the doctor had recommended, let's let's see if we can get 20 eggs, minimum 20 eggs. Yeah. We thought we were going to do yeah. it in one go. No. Right. <laughs> no, definitely not. Right. Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, can you can we back up yeah. a little bit? Can you tell people what the microtesi yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. So the microtesi is actually a procedure um, where they use the microscope and they go into the into the testicle and they look for tubules where where sperm is being produced so so mm-hmm. i was sort of um, the percentages of success for me were like down 10 20% and that's that's even with one one testicle so um what dr katz had uh, been lucky enough to find he, obviously the experience his experience he went in at a certain place and he managed to find enough enough sperm the first time, um, and mm-hmm. and that that took. Oh, it's a long procedure, four five hours, mm-hmm. three four five hours. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so they basically mm-hmm. go in and they they comb all the tubules. They're looking for for areas where there's there's a part of your testicle that is actually still producing sperm, and then they can actually extract mm-hmm. directly from from that area. So the sperm mm-hmm. then doesn't have to go through all the tubes. And so if you're getting damaged sperm, potentially you could actually get the sperm right from the right uh, from the area. 
because um, it doesn't need yeah. to go through all the tubes and it doesn't need to uh, need to go through the hostile environment of the woman's vagina and yes. all, 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 all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yes. <laughs> so so yeah. for us, that, that became, for our situation, that became our only way um, of, of potentially having, having a child. So um, very mm-hmm. grateful for that procedure and, uh, yeah, very grateful for Dr. Cat. <laughs> so you did it the one time, right? Well, you still only did it one time? Okay, we planned to do it the one time. Laura had done nine yeah. egg retrievals to get. We ended up. Oh my gosh! With thirty-one eggs the first time. Um, oh wow! Um, and we rushed. I was literally the last patient before COVID to get my micro tesi oh done. Otherwise, it would have been we would have lived in that unknown where we didn't have sperm and anyway. Yeah. I was literally, I said, "Mate, I can go. I'm ready to go anytime." You just and he goes, "All right, we've got a spot and." I'm pretty sure I was the last patient before COVID hit. Yeah. And then obviously we were able to make um, some decisions around the next part of the equation. If if they found sperm, then we could use those eggs, hopefully make embryos, and then we could put one back in and see if it was going to work. So I wake yeah. up from this surgery. I'm groggy as. There's this there's this really rude drawing that I did a rough drawing of this sperm, like a big head with a smile and this wiggly tail. And he and this is what he does and it just says we found we found some. So Oh, that's great. Very emotional time. Very emotional time oh. for me. I'm drugged up and I'm like, Wow, I've just I've just found sperm and um and then when I talk to him he goes, John, you know the great question great great thing? And I went, What, what? You found some? And he goes no, you can do this again. I can go in and do it again. So I remember telling uh, Laura that we have to change our plans and then Laura's face, I remember the, the blood just draining from Laura's face <laughs> because then she realised I have to collect more eggs again. <laughs> yes. So it ended up 15 egg retrievals, uh, 15 cycles, Oh, my gosh. And... Um, surgeries for Laura and obviously I ended up with my two micro tesis but as of now yeah. as of now my sperm factory or testosterone factory is is decimated it's uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm on hormone replacement therapy now and but um mm-hmm. but as far as yeah wild ride wild ride micro tesis yeah. you know, is a is a pretty amazing um procedure and and this, the advances yeah. now in in infertility um, are just amazing, just amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many things I want to unpack with all please, of that that please. just there's happened. Lot, so, lot, so we can dig in anywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think one of the things that I wanted to talk about first is after the micro tesi when yes. he said, "Hey, we had some," and you talked about all these emotions that yes. kind of came up for you. Yes. What did you feel? Like, did it just completely change every, like, was your world just flipped upside down? Because in your mind, you're like, this is never, you convinced yourself. You're like, this is, this yeah. is what it's going to be like. And then you're like, wait yeah. a minute, what? Yeah, like, yeah. did it feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think like, I, after the cancer diagnosis, I, I spent a lot of time in my own development, my own self-development. So, so I, I think I've joked about on our 
on our uh, in the men's group and 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 our and our page, the Instagram, um, that I would meditate on the fact that they would find sperm and I, I'd sit there and I'd picture these sperm doing push-ups and chin-ups and they're all doing <laughs> sprints. They're all doing yeah. sprints and they're all sort of – so I kind of feel I was maybe envisaging um, um, them finding sperm. But I tell you, when when I saw that picture, um, I, whether it was a relief or release or, or – um, it just, it, it, I just went. Wow! I can actually still I, I, this possibility. Like we're still in the game. We're still, yeah. we're still in the in the race. And um, I, I broke down. I know. I just, I just, I just broke mm. down. It was, it was, all, it was, it was, it was almost too much. It was overwhelming. Um, yeah. And and I don't think you could prepare yourself either way, either way. Like because yeah. um, I'd had to prepare for either outcome. Yeah, because we had always focused on what was our next step going to be, and even if it was sad or whether it was happy, we just we wanted to use those emotions to propel us forward, and we just didn't want to sit too long in that 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 down emotion. And mm-hmm. um, I'd had to prepare for the fact that if they didn't find sperm, we would have had to move on to another mindset, which was which was mm-hmm. the the donor donor route. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd also had to make sure that I'm like, all right, no, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm certain this is going to happen. Um, yeah. But again, 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 uncertainty is just rife. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, like, so your experience is actually very similar to some of us women who don't make very many eggs, who yeah. just are banking and hanging on to every single egg because every single one matters like just like you every every single sperm they find is is like it's your hope is like everything that you could you know what i mean and i think that's where we can find common ground because it it feels like that for for me when i because i don't make very many eggs and my the eggs that i do make are poor quality it's like you know we'll pull you know, um, I don't know, six, seven at a time and yeah. maybe only like two are mature yeah. and then I maybe get one blast, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, because I know I start with this much and very quickly it'll dwindle down to about, you know, t- 10% of what I had. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I the think that's where... brutal. Yes. The numbers are brutal. Yes, yes. And then... So how how did you feel knowing that you know Laura was going to be doing these egg retrievals like yeah. as the partner who's kind of like yeah. standing by and again this is all new because the whole relationship thing is new too yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. like yeah. how did you navigate that being on on your end of it now that you've done your part now that you know you've collected the sperm and did they freeze the sperm what did they do with the sperm um well they actually found enough in the first procedure and obviously the uh-huh. second procedure they they found enough sperm for the amount of eggs so basically it was 31, oh, okay. sper- 31 sperm for the oh, amount okay. of eggs that they had or enough sperm um uh-huh. and in the second procedure he asked he says john do you want me to just find enough for the eggs i said mate i do not want to do this again just Go to town, yeah. Clear me out. So yes, yes there is, there is some frozen sperm and there is some there, um, 
uh, and we use the rest of the sperm. So we don't we don't even know what that sperm's going to be like. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is hard to. I think guilt is probably a a common mm. common feeling. Um, mm. And whilst Laura would say you shouldn't feel like that, like I, I'm I'm in this because I love you and and and. Mm-hmm. This is what I wanted to do for you. We do we do joke about the fact that, oh well, Laura, you could have gone out on well, we call it here in Victoria in, in Melbourne. We've got a, a big street where people go out and that on, on Chapel Street. And I say you could have got pregnant there. And she goes, yeah, probably could, <laughs> but um, it's just it, like, yeah, it's it's hard to watch when when the burden of treatment lies with the female and and basically we're in this infertility tunnel because um, of my challenges mm-hmm. and. I guess for us, it just come back to that team teamwork. Teamwork makes a dream work. I know that's a bit cliche, yeah. but, but it's just we've had to just keep coming back to the fact there's never been any blame, especially from Laura's mm-hmm. point of view. Yeah, never been any blame. She, she's mm-hmm. going. This is this is what I want. This is this is what mm-hmm. I want, and I'm willing to do. And I guess I'd, I'd never really had someone be so selfless. Um, in just, just giving something so, so yeah. I just, I, words can't. I can't put it into words. Um, yeah. How grateful I am for the commitment she's, she, she made to our family, and yeah. um, uh, I, I guess every day I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I, like I could feel guilty, but I just, I just turn it around and I go, I'm very, I'm very grateful. And I guess from my point of view. It's about how I can actually support her through, through uh, <laughs> the female journey of infertility, which is geez, no joke, no joke. Whoever said whoever said the women are the weaker sex is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, it, 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 you guys have signed up for some serious stuff, and I'm like, <laughs> it just blows me away. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I think guilt is an easy feeling that you could let yourself feel. But again, I, I turn that around and, and and use that use that energy, use that emotion to to support Laura and support us um, through our through our journey. Um, and and we're always going to be in infertility. Now. We're, we're literally. I think once you're in fertility, you, you're in it, no matter no matter how your journey looks, and everyone's journey is different. Um, but but it is literally the only way we can get pregnant, and if we were doing it again, it's the only way we're going to yeah. going to happen again. It would be it would be an immaculate conception. I'd be I'd, yeah. if Laura got pregnant, I'd be like. Hmm. We need to. Yeah. Uh, we need to look at a few things. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, and I will tell you that that's very similar to how when you have the female factor, that yeah. it feels very similar. You have the guilt too because you're, yeah. you know, you think like, oh, if I just had a normal body or if I just yeah. had normal functioning parts like every yeah. other woman, then you know we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. But you know, I think that that feeling of guilt. Like we definitely feel that also, where you yeah. feel like, if only I had good enough eggs, yeah. if only I had, you know, yeah. a better uterus, or if yeah. only my anatomy, whatever, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, it the 
the, those feelings are very, very similar. So we definitely share that mm. whether, you know, female or male, I think, yeah. I think that's important to kind of talk about. Now, when you were going through all this, yes. did you talk about it at all? Did you talk to anyone? Did anyone know or did you keep it quiet? Uh, I don't. I don't mind talking about it. Um, I think it made a lot of people uncomfortable <laughs> mm, um, mm-hmm. because it, it it really didn't didn't fit their model of the world. Laura and I talked about it a lot. We were very very choosy about about our support people. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you can't just accept the fact that just someone's a friend or, or family, um, and that's how you're going to get supported because no people people can say some really insensitive and 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 whilst their intention is good it it still is not helpful so i think for us Mm -hmm. we were very very selective about the the peer group we we used we chose our support Mm -hmm. support structure and we did we did turn to ourselves a lot Mm-hmm. Um, we spend a lot of time talking through certain emotions and and especially, well, you'd know, taking the medications is no joke. It's no joke. And and you go, this is not me. And and obviously ta- not taking things personally is the, is the big thing. Like you go, oh, well, this is – and, and we, we kind of move past any any sort of challenges and and we discussed it and and it's quite the ride when you've got a female on on hormone hormone therapy basically yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we're altering altering the makeup with massive doses of of hormones and and um I think asking asking questions like why is this happening? You know why it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're, yeah. you're literally taking these injections. So I guess we just we just made sure we didn't take it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything did make us feel a certain way, we'd actually ask each other, say, Hey, I just need to let you know something. This means nothing, but I want you to know when you said this, this is how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I went, whoa, or I would say, or she would say, and you go, well, that was definitely not my intention, and I, and mm-hmm. I apologize for that, but this is mm-hmm. what I meant. And you went, oh, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think we had many of those, and it wasn't, it wasn't, I guess, I guess you could save it. You could say it saved a little disagreement or whatever, yeah. but I think, I think by chatting about it, you went, geez, that's really, because it basically come down to how you're perceiving what someone says. Um, so, yeah, I think that helped us a lot as well. I think that helped us a lot. You know, I think, too, in your situation, you have this very unique situation where, you know, like typically um, if, if it's a female factor, then the female takes on all the procedures and everything, right? Yes. All the egg retrievals yes. and all that stuff, right? But yes. in your in your situation, you both had procedures. She had to do the egg retrieval yes, and you had right. to do this microtesi, right? So right. so for your portion, what did you feel like Laura did that supported you really well during that? For you, how did what what would you say like a female partner could do to help support their male partner when they're going through these types of procedures? Because it can be scary. It can be yeah. lonely. And yeah. there are, yeah. like you said, all these emotions yeah. that can occur because yeah. it could be good or bad. We don't know for the outcome. Yeah. So what yeah. did Laura do for you that you felt like, oh, my gosh, or maybe, you know, advice for other females who need to support their male partner? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Laura was very supportive of me. I think I think one thing with men is there seems to be a stigma and there's an attachment of masculinity to yes. producing sperm or, or making making a family. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this a lot. I think the biggest the biggest thing is when these when these questions came came into my head, mm-hmm. um, and they're not they're really not helpful. Especially when you're when you're attempting to maintain a positive positive mindset, um, yeah. I would bring them up with Laura and she'd go, "All right, so let's let's talk about this. What's what's actually what are you actually thinking about when 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 these come up?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once I removed the ego, uh, once we broke that down and removed any ego the attachment of masculinity. I'm a big guy. Like I, I, I look, yeah. anyone looks at me and they go, geez, he's got plenty of testosterone. He's got yeah. this and he's got that. But in reality, that was uh, couldn't be further from the truth. Truth. Mm-hmm. And obviously we've ended up in this infertility tunnel. So I think the biggest thing for me was she would encourage me to talk about it. And if I didn't want to talk about it, that was okay as well. Mm-hmm. Um there's this, there's this stuff, um, Alison Armstrong. I don't know whether you know Alison Armstrong. Keys to the Kingdom. Mm. She's basically been been researching men, mm. and I remember this 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 uh, day, this particular. It's a, just a little story about the, Laura was home, and I just noticed early on that she would. I would come home from work or come home from whatever whatever I'm doing. She'd give me a kiss on the cheek, and then she'd go back to do everything. And basically, I'd end up with this like half an hour or an hour. I'd go and have a shower, and it was like. Yeah. So Alison Armstrong calls this transition time. I had no idea about this, but I'm just like, I, d- I just noticed what she did, what Laura did. Uh-huh. I said, hey, can I ask you something? Yeah, cool. I said, so I noticed that you sort of don't really bombard me with any, any questions after I've had my day. And I don't know. And, and basically what Alison Armstrong has found is that, is that if you can give a man a time to just do his process outside or, or after what he was doing and, and obviously then come back and go, oh, are you ready to um, – because mm-hmm. obviously women women can speak up to 150 words a minute with gusts up to maybe 300, 400 <laughs> at a time. And, 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 it's, and it's actually a lot to take sometimes, especially when when you're not ready. And for, for mm-hmm. me sometimes, like she's talking about, and I would have to go, hey, Laura, like that, this is a lot. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of not ready. Can I finish this? And then – we're back to that. Uh, we can get back to that. And she goes, "Yeah, great. When?" Uh, and we'd actually schedule schedule some time and to, to to go and break apart her day and, and stuff like that. So I think yeah. that was that was actually a really positive part for us um, mm-hmm. with men being being, being uh, single focused and, and women being multi focused or the ability mm-hmm. to uh, focus everywhere on a lot of different tasks. Um, that was something that she really brought to the fore for us, um, and that scheduling of that time, or, or no, I don't mean by calendar or anything like that. Say, hey, she, she would just say, hey, I need ten, fifteen minutes. Um, when would be a good time? When would be a good time to chat about it? Because what can happen is you can end up talking, especially you ladies. You can actually end up in infertility twenty four hours a day, especially with your own self chat and all that sort of thing. But the way she helped me and the way we worked together is we actually started put some put some um, boundaries around it. All right, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it for half an hour 
after dinner um, mm-hmm. and there's some certain questions we need to worry. We need to talk about the next step. We need to talk about how you're feeling, what's, what's going on with your – so I think that was, that was uh, another positive. Um, mm-hmm. that, that scheduling time, it stopped us talking about it because at one stage Laura would, would talk to me about infertility and it felt like it was 26 hours of a 24-hour day. Like, yeah. It just felt like all the time. And for me, I felt like I was shutting down and pulling back because I'm like, yeah. I really, I really can't deal with this. And and I guess for women and men, see if you can find a time for the man to talk about it, and then put that time time in there. Um, and be it, you might be able to do it together. Maybe maybe you need another person, like a counselor or something, to actually broach these mm-hmm. subjects to help you walk through that that yeah. path. But um, that one, just thinking about it, that was that was a big that was a big one because then we just mm-hmm. found we weren't talking about infertility. We were actually, oh yeah, what do you want to do this weekend? Oh, what do you want to do? Oh, okay, we've got our hour or half an hour now, and and then we could really get into it. Turn yeah. the TV off, get rid of the phones, do this. Okay, what's the next week look like? Um, how are you doing with your injections? Are you ready for this procedure? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit scared or or I'm, I'm a little worried. And then, you, then, then the question is, what if we don't find sperm? So then we've got to broach that subject about donor. Um, and then obviously when that was done, we could go, hey, what do you want for dinner? Let's go and, mm-hmm. and then, then we, we could actually enjoy the dinner and, and, and enjoy each other. Um, that one was a big one. That one, that one was massive. And uh, us talking about it and actually bringing out a lot of the questions that we were having, if we had those questions, we wouldn't bring them up. We would actually drop it into our own notes. I used, I used notes on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I had a question I needed to because I wanted it out of my head instead of sitting and yeah. having it go around in my head and, and causing anxiety and I would actually go, right, this is something we need to talk about together. I would write the question down, put it in the notes and then I knew that at our next, um, we ended up calling them baby-making meetups, um, <laughs> um, we would actually broach those those questions. And obviously yeah. – it basically just took its own road. Once we started, mm. we'd go, oh, then, then that would unlock something else and then unlock something else, and, and it freed us up the, the rest of the time. Yeah. How did, you, how did you get through the, like, masculinity ego thing? Mm. Because, you know, like a lot of... That's big. You know, it could be that, yeah, a lot of men get fixated maybe on this. Mm. Like, oh, I'm less of a man yeah. because yeah. whatever. Which is, yeah. you know, absolutely ridiculous because, you yeah. know, sperm don't... Like, yeah. sperm is not the only thing yeah. that makes someone yeah. manly or masculine or whatever. That's right. That's right. So how did you get there? How did you work through all of that? I'd like to say I just went, man, I just did it. Hey, I'm a man. Yeah. I just got it done. No, no, no. That was definitely, yeah. No, that was oh, it's just easy, right? That's all you got to do is talk yourself into it. Yeah, yeah. Just get this done. Yeah. Um, I think I think one of the biggest things is if I if I if I didn't bring that ego to the, I guess I was the master of all my own pain, and uh, mm. what I also realised then I could be the master of all my own pain, or I could be the master of all my own pleasure as well. So. Mm. By by removing my ego, um, 
and that attachment of masculinity. Okay, look, I've got some challenges in, in making sperm. I'm, I, I do offer so much more as a person as well. Yeah. I, I think that that was that was the big thing. Um, but to attach that to how I was actually going to show up, I, I, I had to question that, and uh, and I also had to look at the possibilities okay so what what can i do not not what can't i do okay i've got challenges making sperm so what where are the possibilities okay there's some doctors out there that i should look at um that can actually help me be it psychologists be it be it um be it urologists be it fertility doctors um there's no story is unique really because it's been done at some stage and there's some specialist out there. There's someone with an experience that that can help you um, move forward. And I think the the biggest ego, thing, the the biggest thing around the ego and the masculinity. But like I just said, I can be the master of my own pain, but I'm also the master of my own pleasure. So instead of sitting in that pain, I went right. Okay, how can I exit? This is not helping me. So if you can picture it, if you can have a vision, walking home. I would, I would picture a box, just an imaginary box, mm-hmm. and I'd leave my ego in that box mm-hmm. as I walk into the house to mm-hmm. to well to spend time with Laura or even even someone else's house or even going to work or or um, and just in picturing that and I go right yeah, just like a, just like moving a box I go yeah oh yeah we'll just put that in there and I'm not mm-hmm. going to attach to that. Mm-hmm. I was able to. Uh, it gave me. I think it gave me the opportunity to find better solutions with how I can actually progress and and proceed and and offer a positive outlook. Um, and I guess that helped with our sharing as well, because uh, far out, man, it's tough. Infertility yeah. is no joke. Um, and I guess one of the things is. The stigma and infertility and us talking about it more and more yeah. is actually going to raise mm-hmm. awareness, which is going to help people make better choices when they're actually conversing with someone who's infertile or being yeah. aware that one in one in six six people, one in eight people are experiencing infertility. Like there's there's yeah. a lot. Like you sit in you sit mm-hmm. in a group, there's gonna be one or two people who are having yeah. challenges. So yeah. Being more conscious about that, I, I think that that allowed me to help others as well. Um, to say there was one thing around that, but um, I think using that pain and pleasure principle and making sure that I could actually use that to propel me in a direction mm-hmm. that was going to actually help. Um, mm-hmm. You can really get down a rabbit hole and just go, "This is this is shit. This is this is yeah. awful. Your crap." I'm shit. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. useless. I can't do it. And yeah. you can really get down that rabbit hole. Like it mm-hmm. can really get nasty. Um, mm-hmm. I think each time I just got better at mm-hmm. stopping that little road down the hole and just pull my head out and go right, okay. And and I had to do just silly silly shit. Like I I've got a rebounder here, one of those little trampolines. I would yeah. go right. I feel pretty ordinary, but I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on my favourite music, and I'm going to jump on the rebounder for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
Now you try and be you try and be down after jumping <laughs> on a trampoline and listening to your favorite music for fifteen minutes. Yeah. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We're just gonna take a quick break, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And now back to our episode. So yeah. I, I guess that allowed me to to um, look at my next step um, mm. in a better light as well. Just mm. silly little things. I'm, I'm learning the drums, so I'd go and play the drums. So I'd actually put mm. some put some things in place, some strategies in place that would actually help me go right. I need to turn this truck around, and sometimes it's the <laughs> Titanic. Yes. <laughs> sometimes it's a Titanic and sometimes it takes longer than, than you would hope it would. But at the end of the day, it, it, it did turn around and I just got better at turning it around really quickly going, oh, mm-hmm. this, that's not helpful. Okay. Mm-hmm. I need to turn this around. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the same for Laura, like, like me, me mm-hmm. playing my part for Laura. Um, mm-hmm. We just got better and better at turning that around. And and we didn't go as far down that rabbit hole each time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think that you have handled all of this better because of all the personal growth work you did after the cancer? Do you think that that just really kept you in that space? Because I mean, a lot of these things that you're saying, like. I'm going to generalize, and it yeah. may be wrong, but I'm going to generalize. Yeah, but like yeah, you said, ahead. men aren't really good at like talking about their feelings, and yeah. you seem to be really in touch with a lot of these things. Do you think that came from like after the cancer diagnosis and doing all that work on yourself, or do you think that's just kind of how your personality is? No, because no, for some, you might have to teach it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. it may not come natural to some. One hundred percent. It's like anything. It's like walking. I, I think like. You, 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 like a, like a baby trying to walk. I know that's a bad mm-hmm. analogy in an infertility podcast, yeah. but anyway, yeah. do you just yeah. do you just give up when they when they fall the first time? No, yeah. no, you don't. No, we all we've all ended up walking, so it was tough right from the start. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest mm-hmm. things for me is I set myself up with a little routine, and uh, Laura and I joke about it. We call we call it my bits. And uh, <laughs> and I still do it today. I still do it. Mm-hmm. I still do it morning and night. And and that can be that can be journaling. That can be. The, but but it would be my time with if you, if you my time with God, my time with whatever your creator, who, whoever it is, or just it could be anyone mm-hmm. out there that you're talking to. I would just write in a journal. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I would uh, even just play some brain, brain training, just just trying to change change my focus at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And by doing that as a daily routine, that would actually set me up. Like, all right, I've done my daily routine. Anything can happen to me today, but mm-hmm. I've done my I've done my my part, and I feel like I can take on the world. So mm-hmm. I think that was that was a big big plus. But I think it's consistency. The meditating mm-hmm. thing, it still is a challenge. Mm-hmm. But realizing that you actually don't need to do anything is mm-hmm. is mind blowing. You, you don't need to yeah. get anywhere. You just you're just literally taking a breath and and 
just letting life happen. And uh, yeah. I, I had to start at a minute. Mm-hmm. I had to start at a minute because I would find that I would just start to stray, you know, I need to do this, I need yeah. to do this, I need to do this. And, it's, and now even even it's like 10 or 15 minutes, morning and night, I just even before mm-hmm. bed, it's just – but sometimes I just – you get better again at doing that, just mm-hmm. like the walking thing. You learn how to run. Mm-hmm. You learn how to think. It's just like maths. You start at two times two, but then you start mm-hmm. you, you start working out other fractions and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's practice and uh, – the routine really, really helped me. Um, and then I think the people you put yourself around, like I started learning from mm-hmm. people, oh, that's I, I really like what they're doing. I'm going to mm-hmm. give that a try. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is I would try it and, and if it did work, I would just attach that to my little little routine. i go, yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to take that one with me. And if it didn't, mm-hmm. I would just let that go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the routine mm-hmm. was a big one. So you ended up doing two micro tuzzies, yes. and then yes. Laura went through fifteen egg retrievals. <laughs> and so, what happened after all of that? Well, we we still didn't know if our eggs and sperm talked. I like to yeah. talk. I just I, I like to yeah. talk. She just goes, "That's a bit." Yeah. But anyway. Um, <laughs> They put them together. The, the first time, like we we had the thirty one eggs, so I was I was stoked we found sperm. So this comes yeah. back to that numbers are brutal. So that first yeah. time we had thirty one eggs, and we are right. Oh, and I was so excited. Now I remember it was like being punched in the solar plexus. I felt like yeah. all the wind had been just ripped out of my lungs. Um, mm-hmm. I think after day one we had like ten. 10 left mm. and then mm-hmm. day two it was like five left i'm like oh my gosh what is happening yeah. here i i honestly yeah. hadn't prepared for this part of it yeah uh, and we ended up with one one embryo and and it was like holy cow that was yeah uh, that was that, that really hit me hard because yeah. that was a big thing so we did find that they the the sperm and eggs talked, but for some reason, that it just the frozen eggs and and, yeah. and the sperm wasn't the best option. So, mm-hmm. with that with that second part of the with that second procedure, we actually Laura did fro like we were banking eggs, so we had frozen mm-hmm. eggs, but we actually tied the last retrieval to have fresh sperm and fresh eggs. Uh, as well as if we found enough sperm, we would we would thaw eggs out as well. So for mm-hmm. us, that made that made a big difference. So we we do have some embryos, and um, they're they're in the fridge. But um, we did we did we do have our, our daughter. Um, she's eleven months old now, and uh, yeah. yeah, that's talk so about, wonderful. Talk about game changer. Yeah. 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 Well, for, so for that first. Um, that first egg, ret- well, the first, um, I guess, ICSI or whatever. The- yeah, I assume yeah. they did ICSI. Yes. Yeah. yes yeah. Um, did did they, did your doctors tell you what to expect the first round of the insemination part? Well, because- our, our, our ratios were low, like the percentages were low in, in our whole process. I kind of feel maybe, maybe, maybe the egg, because an egg 
an egg can get poor sperm over the line. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it sort of relates to the rest of our life, really. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll actually get a man over the rest of his life. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think it was still like ten, twenty percent that it was that it was going to work. But obviously, we put the we put the best fresh and fresh egg, fresh sperm embryo in in um, and. And that was, I tell you, we went through another part of the, another part of our journey was that Laura's bloods didn't respond. Like the, apparently the, the HCG is meant to double and double and mm-hmm. double and double and double and double. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was not happening. That was not happening. Mm. We, we, we were all set. We were told um, mm-hmm. that the pregnancy wasn't going to progress. And, mm-hmm. um, that was a that was a rough weekend. We we, we literally yeah. spent spend a, spend a few days in that in that hole, um, just making try, <laughs> trying to make sense of, of something you really can't make sense of. Like it's just you just can't deal with it. But um, um, lucky enough, we tur- we turned up and the bloods and the, it, it just didn't relate. We we ended up seeing a a, a heartbeat and and we were just. In disbelief, we were prepared that we needed to move on with our. So yes, yes. What uh, I've even lost the question. That just that just brought back a lot of no. a lot of no. uh, emotions. That like it's just it's, yeah. That was that was that was hard. That was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I was just talking about, like, the expectations going yes. in. Because, I, I mean, it kind of plays into what you had just said, too. Because, you know, for me, in my first round, I remember thinking, this is it. This is the solution to everything. Yeah. I'm going to do one round, yeah. and then yeah. one round is going to give me everything I want and need, yeah. and we're going to be good. Yep. Right? It's yep. This solves everything. Yep. So, because this solves everything, I'm going to be good. Yeah. And then you learn really quickly that it is not and then you learn really quickly because my doctor didn't tell me that like your numbers are going to go from here like at you know if you get 10 eggs or whatever expect to get like one to two depending on your age you know like blastocyst at the end yeah like but uh, did your doctor have that conversation with you that they tell you like hey you're going to have 30 but expect this much at the end and did you go into it thinking oh i got 30 eggs we got like 30 however many sperm we're going to make 30 some odd <laughs> yeah, embryos and we're going to like freeze you, all these mind, and it's going to be great. In my yeah. mind, that was what was happening. I think Laura was probably a, a lot more realistic. We do have a cartoon uh-huh. um, that'll be in, in the book. We've managed to just put together our experiences and stuff. But um, there's a cartoon there yeah. where we've got expectations in reality and the expectations, yes. you've got your windswept hair and you just, just yeah. got this, <laughs> the, the sun's shining, the waves are crashing yeah. and then you look at the other side yeah. and you've just got hair everywhere and you've got a yeah. pile, of, pile of needles and you've got, yeah. Yeah, I think the expectations in reality can, can be a really interesting conversation where you – where you you if you can actually remove those expectations and for us for me around that time Laura was a lot more realistic but I like you said 31 eggs 31 sperm bang we are we are sorted and that really mm-hmm. that was a real kick in the kick in the guts that was when when I saw what was happening because and we still talk about it now because Laura goes you were not prepared for that and I said no no mm-hmm. I did not realize and whilst I'd heard the ten or twenty percent success rate. I just did not. Mm-hmm. 
did not for us. Yeah, you didn't hear it. Hear no. it. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. You heard it, but you didn't hear it. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that was a that, oh was, my a, gosh. that was a real, real interesting uh, uh, lesson lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're constantly mm-hmm. looking at the expectations reality. Like, uh, are we looking at what should be happening, or are we actually what's what's happening? In reality, what's what's really happening? Okay, mm-hmm. we've got challenges with them. We've got a couple of embryos. We've got this. Okay, how can we actually make this make the best of this situation um, without comparing yeah. ourselves to anyone else? Without comparing yes. to without comparing to a twenty two year old down the road who got one hundred and fifty eggs yes. or whatever, and <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, Just, uh, yes, it feels that way. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, how yeah. many did you get? Oh, how many did you? Oh, did you find spam? Oh no, yeah. no. Oh, well, I'm just having my yeah. sixth kid. And you're like, oh, gee, like this is yeah, crazy. on accident. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, of all of this, yes. what do you think was the hardest part for you during this whole process? See, it's for for me. I think the hardest part would have been because. Basically, everything was a bonus for me. Like I, 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 mm-hmm. I basically said I wasn't having kids tomorrow. That was that was the story I told myself. So I think the hardest yeah. part was actually rejigging that story, changing mm-hmm. changing my story so I could actually have a bit of hope, a bit of faith that this this was going to work. Oh, it's just not going to work, which is not helpful. But I think changing that story was was probably the most difficult for me um, and accepting the fact that I had such a selfless partner who was willing to, like, she just, she just gave everything for me. I, I, I would like to say that I've never really had anyone uh, like offer such a, such a gift. So to be able to accept that was, was another toughie. Um, but again, rejigging the story, Changing, changing your mindset. Um, um, I managed to come to terms with it. And sometimes you, know, you might not. It's still the, the the male infertility part, and what Laura's had to go through, or what she still has to go through, is that, that's still challenging to deal with as well. Uh, but he quickly whacks me around the head and goes, "Hey." <laughs> There's no there's no need for that. We're well and truly in the trenches yeah. together. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. Did you did you find that you were scared to change that story? Yeah. Like were you scared yeah. to change that story from yeah. That story was easy. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't having kids. I I I'd, I'd since been working with uh youth and and kids and mm-hmm. and um that story allowed me to just dive into that and go yeah cool all right i can give them back to the parents and and mm-hmm. this isn't my journey but uh that's theirs and that's fine yeah yeah it, it was it was it was easier to keep that story than to open up my heart to more disappointment, more the possibility mm-hmm. of disappointment. But again, we come back to that pain and pleasure. Like they, they, they opened me up to a lot of pain, potentially a lot of pain, but it also mm-hmm. opened me up to the potential of pleasure beyond explanation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And 
you talked about in the beginning that you went through a lot of different doctors. Yeah. So how did you know which was the doctor for you? Like, how did you know it was time to move on? And how did you know that you had found the one that was good for you? Well, one of the doctors actually went, oh, I, I, I can't help you here. And which was actually, oh. which was actually one of the best things that could have happened. Um, mm -hmm. Because if we had have gone into that first first um, uh, retrieval uh, surgery, um, and that doctor hadn't realised, hey, you, you're not really producing many eggs, so they actually stopped stopped that part of the process, which meant that I didn't have the micro tesi, which meant so if you had a look at it, like if we ended up with only a couple of eggs, and then I've gone in and had my one off surgery. We wouldn't have had any embryos, and and that would have been my shot mm -hmm. at having, or our mm -hmm. shot at having our own biological children. So, yeah. whilst you can be annoyed with them that that didn't work, yeah. that in itself sent us in the direction that we go right. We've got to find we've got to find some people that are really, really experienced in not just our situation, but in infertility, and for me. Um, the urologist that that is the man when it comes to, um, uh, or the person that is 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 doing the micro tesi that's going to help me the most. Um, mm -hmm. I think people can get into into the the easy explanation where you go, oh, they're a doctor. This is the only way. Um, we we quickly learned that we needed to work our 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 medical professionals and um, we played a part in our own rescue if you know what I mean yeah yeah we we, we learned we learned from our past past we, we learned from the worst of our best the best of our worst we we changed the protocols our doctor the, the doctors that we we found they 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 were they were constantly changing and and um, and working and they were they were open to Trying those new things, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was pretty special. That, but for us to, what do they say? It's not who you hire; it's who you fire. And sometimes, 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 like you can waste a lot of time going down a road. Like, and, and even in another another analogy, there's no point in climbing the ladder when it's on the wrong building. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think I think we were we, we become better at being really cutthroat. We go, ah, this is not working for us. Let's find someone who who will work with us or for us, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But besides your uh, wonderful baby, <laughs> yeah. what would you say was another like wonderful thing that came out of all of this? Because I mean, it's so easy for us to get caught up on all the negative yeah. stuff, right? Like how horrible it is yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. But did you yeah. find that there's anything positive that came out of your experience? It's a it's a it's a very negative environment, Victoria. It's mm -hmm. it's just, and we find a lot of people actually feed on that negativity, um, mm -hmm. and again, that comes back to choosing the people you're listening to. Um, um, but for us and for me, I, I believe our relationship became even stronger. Um, we were able, well, we, we jumped some big hurdles and, um, I kind of, whilst I don't believe we're unscathed by any, any stretch of the imagination, um, we've been able to, um, 
I, I guess I guess come out as a as a team that that yeah you, you couldn't break that bond. Um, each mm-hmm. challenge brought with it a new lesson. Each each and and I mean the I mean even in self self realization like your own mm-hmm. your own growth you go oh well that wasn't very cool how I behaved or or what do they actually need now oh it's not about me it's mm-hmm. like it, it, there were there were constant learnings and um, I think for me the biggest one is our relationship is stronger and I kind of feel for for our for our our little bundle I think that will even will show even more for for her mm-hmm. as she as she grows as well hmm. So, uh, I, I mean, you know, obviously this has been like a really uh, challenging experience, but yeah. somehow you found time in all of this to start a YouTube channel and write a book. <laughs> so can you tell us about your YouTube channel and your book? Yeah. Yeah. So. I, when it comes to, uh, I do joke with Laura that I'm the talent and, and she's my manager, but um, <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she is definitely on top of all that sort of stuff. So when it comes to the social media and things, so Laura's, Laura's been, been looking after that and she set it up. And, um, but for us sharing those, those videos and those vulnerable moments, and I think the biggest thing, once we decided to share, it was only going to be a little part of our lives, but it was quite mm-hmm. selfish in nature because by just sharing it actually allowed us to just get stuff out that sometimes mm-hmm. would just sit there and fester. Mm-hmm. But then we started getting messages back. <laughs> and then obviously there's different, there's better platforms and, and things like that. But it was actually really nice to see some people going, oh, geez, you guys are going through this. or And then obviously once we when we had our, our bug, like people were so happy that, we did decide that we could have moved on, but this this infertility area we're we're going to be in it forever because if we mm-hmm. if we do decide to go go ahead and and attempt again, um, it's the only way. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of felt because of that negative stigma attached to um, that and the fact that there wasn't many people talking about the male side of things to get them in and get yeah. tested like. Like if you if you got both going in, why aren't you getting tested straight away and and yeah. finding out? Oh, great! Your sperm's magic. Great. That's mm-hmm. we've we've ticked that box. Let's move down this other road. Um, yeah. And by sharing, I think for us, it's been it's it's we've we've seen that people want to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to reduce that stigma, and we're talking about fertile couples and infertile couples alike. Yeah. Um, yeah. People want to know. Even even our, our parents weren't aware really of what was involved, um, which has helped them understand what what we went through and what people are going through on a daily basis. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty grateful for the experience because of what mm-hmm. we've created for others. Um, yeah. Around like who in the right mind would have ever thought I'd be chatting to Victoria on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> You're on the other side of the world, and yes. I'm here. Like the people that we've connected with, the people that we've met, um, just the chats that we've had. It's just it's it's a space that I, I believe 
that can it can be better mm-hmm. and and if we're conscious about about what we're actually bringing to the table i, I really believe mm-hmm. believe we can actually uh, empower people to make make better decisions and 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 create the life that they that they they, they can see but they, they don't they, they don't necessarily know the next step um yeah yeah so what about your book? What prompted you oh, to write the book? Because is it both you and Laura wrote it yeah, together or is it yeah. just you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We both we both put it together. She, she's, she's much more of a wordsmith than I am. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we've managed to collect, I guess, collect experiences. It's a, it's a collective. It's not just about our story. There's, there's plenty of other stories in there. It's it's information on um, on how to get through this this ride this journey mm-hmm. this adventure this uh, it's a, mm-hmm. it just offers offers ideas experiences questions and uh we've even put in there there's some baby making meetups at the end of each chapter where with some questions mm-hmm. that you can either ask yourselves or your your doctors and and some mm-hmm. of these things uh, it's basically conversation starters um mm-hmm. We feel if the relationship isn't there, then then really the outcome doesn't really matter because you really want to stick stick together. Be it be it if you're on your own and you and you and you're doing it doing it on your own, but you still need mm-hmm. that support structure. Um, yeah. We kind of felt that the we could offer something there for people, and 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 mm-hmm. the cartoons that was our sort of. So I think we managed to find a really cool illustrator, and um, mm-hmm. that offered that 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 superhero type type idea. Uh, you, yeah. you need to be you need to be resilient. You need to be tough. You need to sort of put on your armor to get through this stuff, and uh, and and you need to be adaptable. You need to be flexible. You need just just so many of these skills, these these traits that you. You might not necessarily have, but you just say, "Right, I, I need to find a place to get these from." And and if we can ask those better questions, we're definitely going to get those better answers. So um, yeah. it will it can only help, I believe. And uh, Laura's yeah. worked really hard on the IT side of things, so so it's going to come out as an ebook, audio book, and uh, and uh, mm-hmm. and the book in itself. And and it's just really important to know that this book is for any male going through infertility, be it male factor, female factor, or be it you just don't bloody know what's what's mm-hmm. happening with your infertility. Mm-hmm. We believe you will get something out of this book, wherever it is. It's not one you'll read from front to back. You'll open it up and you go, huh, that's, that's what I need right now. And mm-hmm. um, uh, it's it's been... A trial. It's been, it's mm-hmm. it's drawn out. It's such a process trying to get this thing done. But uh, but uh, we're very excited to be able to see it. It's, it's just been put together. I think they call it typesetting type thing. So yeah, we're excited. We're excited to be able to share this. And um, uh, I guess we're sort of in this phase now where we're like, all right, we've just got to just start talking about this. We've got to start. Like, we've just got to start putting it out there. And um, yeah. Again, it comes back to vulnerability, isn't it? You just, you just you're right. We're putting ourselves yeah. out. Let's just go. Let's just do this. Yeah. Mm. Where where will it be released, and when do you know? Uh, you can actually. It's a, there's a pre-sale on on. Uh, well, 
there's probably no point because this is uh not sure when you're going to put this one out so just <laughs> yes um it'll be it'll be online on our website infertilityman.com oh, okay and uh they, they'll be you'll be able to actually get it off there but obviously the other platforms other publishing platforms and um amazons and like amazon and things okay. like that we would we would hope that that's that's going to be the place it'll be in the physical copy and the audio and the ebook copies so yeah yeah I think you'll find it in all the in the, in the all the usual haunts, and uh, yeah. yeah, we're excited to be able to share this with people. Well, I definitely want to get a copy. I'm just <laughs> at this point, I'm I'm like I'm really really curious, so I definitely want to get a copy. <laughs> well, I think I think Lord's um, got it on the web on the website at the moment, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to put myself on that list. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, we have a few questions that came in for you. Do you mind if we go we go through them right now? By all means. Okay. Um, one question is, how do I help my partner better communicate his feelings around his fertility diagnosis? So you talked about this a little bit, but kind of yeah. what are some of your recommendations for this? So that's a real that's a that's a toughie, and obviously every man's going to be a little different, and and, and I don't think it's even being in touch with your emotions. Um, I don't know whether you've ever heard, Laura and I uh, are big believers in the, the love languages, the five love languages, and we kind of feel that that has helped helped us as, as, a, as a structure or as a platform. And it may actually just be a chance to start talking about the certain feelings around those. So obviously different people have different different love languages, how they give and how they mm-hmm. receive love. So there's quizzes online and stuff. Make it make it fun, mm-hmm. and and by actually dipping your toes in um, into that and opening that converse, conversation, you may actually be able to start communicating in the ways that your particular partner communicates in. Um, mm-hmm. I find that can be a good icebreaker. Um, tell, mm-hmm. Telling a guy to talk about his feelings. I'm sorry. It is. It is going to shut him up quicker, yes. quicker than you can blink. So uh-huh. you just need to be even smarter than you already are, and just just work a couple of steps ahead of us. Um, we're pretty simple creatures. Just uh, <laughs> just uh, just have your outcome in mind, and then piece by piece, the scheduling of chats is a good one, um, mm-hmm. and potentially. Like in the book, we've got these baby-making meetups with the questions. You can actually work through them and go, oh, here's some questions. It might be just conversation mm-hmm. starters. So that, yeah. would be, that would be a couple of things. Have a, chat, have a look at the love language. I believe they're, they're so powerful. Um, you can have mm-hmm. them as, as yourselves and as a couple. But the other one is definitely schedule time to talk about where you are on your journey. Um. Not while he's watching TV, not while he's doing this, not while he's making something, not while it's, hey, I need to chat to you about something. Can I talk to you after you finish the show or after you finish this? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be great. All right, cool. No worries. Are you ready to talk? Yeah, cool. All right, let's have the, let's have the 5, 10, mm-hmm. 15, half an hour, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll work out how long he can actually take as well. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it may be five yes, minutes. Yes, that's smart. It may be, it may be a minute. But it may be once you're mm-hmm. actually in there 
and he gets mm-hmm. and he and it's a safe space, and then he starts talking. You may find you might spend hours there, but yeah, if you can actually go, hey, just like in any calendar or any meeting, you go, hey, let's uh, we need to have a chat about the the upcoming cycle, or your doctor's appointment, or your thing. Uh, you can't make anyone talk about their feelings, but if you actually start talking about something else, you may find that the feelings will come up because mm-hmm. you can actually say, hey, when you when you don't talk about this stuff, it actually makes me feel like this and this and this and this and then this. Mm-hmm. So that might actually go. So if you can, when we actually catch up, have a chat. <laughs> you can, you can, you can yeah. open up. Yeah. That would be the yeah. two biggies, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds great. Um, okay, the second one is, are there any male factor infertility support groups? Well, that's funny. We, 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 did, we did find some and we've actually, we actually started one on Facebook. It's the, the, men's, oh, the okay. men's infertility group. Um, there's a hundred or so plus guys. They keep dripping, drip feeding in. Uh, I tell you what, mm. it's like getting blood from a stone trying to get these guys talk. <laughs> Though what I will say is when someone shares their story or shows a bit of vulnerability, man, the thread just lights up. And we've got, we've yeah. got a whole host of uh, um, fellas in there. We've got people going through infertility. We've got people who are questioning their fertility. We've got people who can't have children. We've got people who are using donor. We've pe- people who've used donor. Mm-hmm. We've, we've, mm-hmm. um, some who've had success, some who hasn't. Like, the support that comes out is actually really beautiful. There's a lot of love and care. It's, it's a really safe space. So um, I guess my focus is there. There are other ones out there. Again, be very choosy mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. about the ones you want to, want to go to. And I will say, ladies, don't mm-hmm. tell your man to get into a support group. It's just an idea. If you if you are if you are if you are wanting him to listen to let's say let's listen to us on infertility man or anything mm-hmm. like that, just play the videos loud. This is just a secret. Just play the video, <laughs> play the videos loud within mm-hmm. earshot. <laughs> yes, and, yes. And say anything or leave it open or whatever. Leave it open on the computer or leave it open on the laptop or on your phone or or something like that. Um, the indirect approach will actually help the man make the decision that you would like like him to, yeah, um, for you both. Um, it, it's a much easier approach. You see, you sit there and you go, it's like a magnet. You got two the same forces. Like you, you it, it, it opposes. It opposes. Yeah. Resist, persists, and it just keeps going. So, if yeah. you actually stop butting heads and go right, all right, yeah, yeah, cool. I'll just leave this. Oh, this is really interesting. And and maybe you might come over and go, who's this bloke you're listening to? You go, mm-hmm. oh, don't worry about him. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about him. He's just uh, <laughs> he had cancer and. He lost a ball and uh, he, he, he had <laughs> surgery, but they've got a kid now. Isn't that cool? Say yeah. nothing more about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, that's a great approach. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I obviously from a, a male's point yeah. of view is very, very helpful. Yeah. And these tips obviously are helpful because I would have no idea where to start. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I am definitely one of those who'd be like, listen to this right now, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. which obviously yeah. would not and, and uh, go well. Would, it would still, I would go, you know what? 
I'm not going to listen to it just because you're telling me to. Yes, yes, yes. I'm like that too. No, I'm like just me myself. I do that too. I'm like, you can't tell me what to do. I do what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I get it. I totally get it. Um, okay. The next question is, how do I get my husband on board with artificial insemination? Mm. Um, and I guess maybe another one too is um, that plus donor yeah. too. M- maybe both of yeah, them. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We yeah. we and you'll find it in our book. We we actually what we found was. We started to see disconnects in people's relationships. And I don't just mean like like intimate relationships, I mean family relationships, friends, because people would say something, if I can use a story, um, we created this thing, Seven Mindsets of Infertility. And for Laura and I, what we realized, you needed to be in the same mindset to be able to progress or find solutions. So mm-hmm. for us, mm-hmm. we knew we had challenges in that area, so we could actually progress on to mindset two, which is actually considering fertility treatment. But to be able to do that, we needed to be in the same boat. We needed to be on the same plane. Right. So what we found was there's a disconnect. If I use, if I use, um, I was talking with someone and early on in our process, we'd decided that fertility treatment was for us. That was Laura and I. But someone said, hey, have you guys thought about adoption? And we're like, mm-hmm. whoa. What the, f- mm-hmm. what the fuck? Like, so <laughs> yes, yeah. We're literally d- way down here, just considering fertility treatment. Yes. You're talking about adoption. Like, hang on, like, so there's a mm-hmm. disconnect there. So we mm-hmm. find that um, I think taking a look at the mindset and where you're actually on your journey. So, so donor and considering donor and actually considering fertility treatment. If you're still at level one, which is you're, you're thinking you can conceive naturally and someone's going, hey, mm-hmm. do you want donor sperm like you, or, or eggs? Mm-hmm. Like you, you just literally yeah. cannot grasp that. And that's going to bring a whole mm-hmm. heap of different feelings. You're going to get angry. You're going to get, what the, what the hell are you yeah. talking about? What? So I think, I think yeah. that, that, is a, that is a big one. I think if you can actually move through these mindsets together. So, so for Laura and I, we had to progress into fertility treatment. And for me, for us, if I hadn't have found sperm or we hadn't have found sperm, I had been working on moving to that next part, next mindset and we had that donor was going to be our our next not challenge, our, our next opportunity for growth, our next our next hurdle. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think if the sooner you can have that conversation, the sooner you'll actually start realizing where you are at in that and that and sometimes for for a um for a couple that's where a lot of the the arguments are because the guy's still believing yeah. that he can conceive naturally he's not dealing with the idea yeah and then the partners going right we need fertility treatment to mm-hmm. to progress so you can't. It, it yeah. actually removes your ability to to affect that um, a, a, a good solution. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe even talking about uh, some of the fears yes. around it, because maybe they're resistant because yes. there's some yes. fear of yes. something. Yes. You know, like whatever that yes. fear is. I don't. You yeah. know, I don't know. But you know, for donor, I'm, for me, because knowing that I might need donor yeah. eggs, I, for me, the the thought of giving up my genetics is a difficult conversation and different difficult feeling to kind of work through. And I can imagine that a male probably feels the same way. 
Um, and I, I don't know if there's a bigger challenge. So, you know, you can tell me how you felt, but I don't know if there's a bigger challenge because you're you're not carrying the pregnancy. So you already feel somewhat removed. I don't know if that plays into feeling like your genetics are now no longer mm. part of mm. the equation. If that makes you feel like even more disconnected with the process. I don't know. I'm just speculating at this. No, point. no, no, no. I that? agree. I agree. I think that's a thing that both men and women alike um, have to tackle at some stage. Um, if, if genetics is important, then then it makes it, it actually makes it difficult for you to progress with this equation. And maybe maybe that affects the relationship. Maybe this isn't the relationship for you. Mm-hmm. If, a, if a woman's ready to move forward, but you're not, then then that that disconnect is actually going to carry on through the relationship so either either the guy the guy needs to step up or or the woman needs to realize okay we need to do this to, do this together um and that's why that's a, that again comes back to finding the right people who are going to help you at that certain time so what what is the problem here and let's work with that but i think the biggest thing and we talked about it earlier the ego and the masculinity the attachment Mm-hmm. That that is with genetics too, like, yeah. Like if if you can actually create the picture of a man, a man offers so much more. You're not just that little wiggly, wiggly sperm, and um, mm-hmm. and you can see the world around that. That someone told me actually a really interesting thing: you become a father before you become a father, and I think that, mm. I think that. We, we were right in the trenches then, and I think for me that was a, that was a huge thing. The person I can bring to any life is going to be worth so much more than than being attached to that genetics. There's a, there's a lot of children out there in the world who are on their own, who who don't have mm-hmm. the parents who think. So I guess if I when I change my mindset, like what I can offer, um, other than just the sperm. Um, yeah. then, um, and being an older parent as well, I kind of feel that I've done a lot of the stupid shit. And I was welcoming the other challenges that were, that were, that were to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and then what are some of your favorite resources Um that you looked into while you were going through all of this? Mm, resources. I think online is a great resource. I think you'll find you'll find a lot of the clinical research you need. Again, be very particular about the stuff you're listening to, the people you're listening to. And I like to think that it comes back to intention. Mm-hmm. If you can actually feel these people's intention, and it can't just be about money. Yeah. Yeah? If, 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 you, if you actually feel the intention, like... For, for Laura and I, we, we honestly believe we could offer something to someone else, mm-hmm. be it one person, be yeah. it no people, be it, yeah. it, 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 it kind of developed into this mission type thing. It was just mm-hmm. like, well, I think through our experiences, and, and I mean our life experiences before our, our lessons, I, I, I really feel, and, and it, I, it shows in the messages we receive that, that we've been able to touch people on their journey, mm-hmm. so I think there's plenty of uh, on, on all the different platforms as well. Mm-hmm. There, there's plenty of medical professionals, um, 
and social media people and uh, that are actually collecting some really good information and and actually rejigging, rejigging it into an empowering form, mm-hmm. making it positive, making it, uh, allowing you the chance to actually grow mm-hmm. in, into this journey and through this journey, um, uh, not allowing you to sit in that little hole for too long. Mm-hmm. It's okay to sit in that hole. Yeah. But it's equally as important for you to just get out and go, right, I've got to dust myself off. This is, this is rough. It's hard. Acknowledge that. And it is hard, um, but what what can we do next? Mm-hmm. How can we take this next step? Um, how are you feeling? How are you, yeah, it's just it's just such a broad subject. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel the online component at the moment is such a it can be a blessing and a curse mm-hmm. because because I believe there's some out there where their intention is less than sure less than good yeah and I, I believe I believe they're kind of feeding on people's people's misery yeah um yeah. so is there anything that you wish you knew then that you knew now like when you first started all of this um yeah yeah there's uh, there's so many things that I know now about my particular journey mm-hmm. that undescended testicle like like the hormone issues I had as a developing teenager or as a as a as a young man um uh, it just it all kind of makes sense now mm-hmm. the dietary choices I was making the, the, all those sorts of things I kind of feel that my experiences, the stuff that I that like, I had to go through it all. I would really like to think that we can actually help people by just shortening that journey a bit. Yeah, really don't need to experience this because I did. Yeah. Um. But but typically with men, like we just got to. It's like bashing your head against the wall. We just got to do it. We just got. We just got to do it. Go, oh, that's what he meant. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, how do people find you? How do they follow you? How do they connect with you? Yeah. What's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. So infertilityman.com. Uh, we'll have our book out in the next next um, next uh, month or so, I would, okay. I would just say. Okay. Um, we've, we've got an Instagram. YouTube is John and Laura, J-O-N and Laura. Um, we've got, there is Facebook, the infertility, the Men's Infertility Group mm-hmm. is is a support group we've got we've got um, running there, um, and yeah, it's just uh, and even if it's not us, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't matter. You you are not alone. That's mm-hmm. I think that's that has to be the big message. You are not alone, and and nothing happens unless something happens. So you just yeah. literally take that next step. And for guys. Get out and get get tested. Mm-hmm. Get out, and, even if you're not thinking about the family, or you are. Mm-hmm. Just imagine if you find out that your sperm are swimming the wrong way, or they're mm-hmm. doing circles, or they're doing, or they're doing, and you can actually start working on that now by changing some lifestyle or changing things. And this is the same for women. Imagine finding out you don't necessarily need to have the family or want to have the family just yet. But just imagine you find out you've got a blockage in your testes or you've yeah. got a blockage in your tubes or you've got – and you can actually fix that now so that when you find that other person or you find or you decide for that next step, you're actually ready to go. Mm-hmm. 
you just don't you don't need to actually go oh i'm doing this and then two mm-hmm. years down the track you yeah it's just like, oh yeah yeah proactive be proactive about your yes. health about about um your relationship about uh, and be open about about what you actually want yeah. and uh, i will say guys and girls just be honest with each other about what you actually want about the relationship because a mm-hmm. lot of guys i don't believe they realize that they are the clock is ticking mm-hmm. and and if kids aren't on your agenda pull the band-aid off yeah and uh and and be open about it yeah um because five years down the track like over 30 like you start women are starting to lose their egg, egg reserves and yeah and and then over 40 like, like the percentages are getting less and less and less mm-hmm. so so you, you're not being helpful when you're going oh no no in about four years five years no look, look be honest ask the question yeah and um and uh i think that will help a lot whilst it might hurt a little bit now in the yeah. long run you'll yeah. yeah yeah john this was such a pleasant um chat today thank you so so much for being here i'm so grateful for all your time and you know sharing your expertise and everything about this whole experience for you so thank you so much for being here and being such a loud voice for male factor and fertility uh, we really appreciate you having us on, uh, Victoria. Well, when I say us, having me on, um, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's 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 good to actually chat through it and go through this, um, and it just helps you remember as well. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. uh, it's it's not an easy road. No, and it's it's like I don't know if. For me, I had no idea, and it may have been the same for you, but I had no idea how long this whole process would be. I thought, you're going to get in, you're going to do it, and then, like, this was, like I said, this is your your solution, right? This was your fix. And then here I am, you know, however, since 2014. What is that? Too long, eight years, seven, seven, eight years, something like that. You know, it's like, I'm still here. (laughs) Like I'm still here and I'm still fighting the fight and I'm still trying to figure it all out. And it's not, you're so right. It's not easy, but it's so helpful when, you know, we have such good positive energy uh, like you uh, to kind of share all of your experience and your stories. So, I mean, it's so meaningful. And like you said, I I really do think when people share their stories, it is really helpful. You know, I'm doing the same thing where, you know, I, I, when I started this podcast, I'm like, you know what, even if just one person listens to it, then it, it helped one person, right? I don't know. There still may only be one person listening, but I, I mean, yeah. I, I just think that it is important, like you said, to kind of, to keep talking about it because we're all in the dark. We all, male or female, we tend to experience this in the dark and in mm-hmm. like quiet, right? No, we, in yeah. silence. We never, we just don't talk about it. And I think yeah. the more we're talking about, it, the more we bring it up, so that it becomes more mainstream and a little bit easier for people to kind of talk about, then it won't seem, yeah. like you said, so taboo. It won't seem yeah. like this unusual thing and people don't, won't feel the need to hide anymore because yeah. it is so hard, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm I so grateful agree. that you're part of the conversation. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You too, you too, Victoria. <laughs> well, I can't wait for your book. Um, I will definitely put a link to your book, your website, and then you'll yeah. send me a link of the Facebook group too, so I can share that as well. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And um, hopefully, we'll we'll see kind of how uh, your book turns out. If there's more books or there's more channels <laughs> and stuff, you're gonna start. You're gonna start. Then I definitely want to know about it. But thank you so much yeah. for being here today, and I'm so grateful for your time and. Um, We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. If you want a question or topic covered in future episodes, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at 40 and infertile. Make sure you hit the subscribe button for alerts and new episodes. And I hope to see you back again soon. Bye.